Hey guys, welcome back to Contest Prep University. I'm Joe Klimczewski with Adam Atkinson. We are in episode four of The Truth About Reverse Dieting. We're going to talk about some, some methodologies, some different strategies people may have, and one of which I had already mentioned, our friend Eric Helms. And when he deviated slightly from reverse dieting as a moniker and, and into a recovery process, he, he treated it, as you can tell just by that name, as something that that is, is important enough that it's there's some I don't want to call it an emergency, but there's there's an intentionality that has to be there. We are recovering, and one of the things that he proposes we're recovering from are those depressed hormone levels, thyroid, uh, the androgens, and so forth. And so we need to kind of get your your body fat level back up quickly. If this is your metabolic set point at eight or so percent body fat, and you're at four, we got to get you up there quickly. So we're gonna. We're going to take a big jump after the contest, and then we'll level off. And we haven't been shy, or I haven't, at saying, I kind of disagree. You know, I, I think we can take a couple of weeks and stair-step it up there. And the symptomatology we're talking about, especially hormonally, isn't just a response to body fat level. It's to food intake. And even just moving slightly into a calorie surplus takes a lot of pressure off the endocrine system. So I, I personally, and again, I mean, as long as you're not binging and losing control and harming yourself psychologically or physically, I'm not going to say there's a massive difference, but I still do prefer a little bit more of a controlled approach. And I'm interested to see, you know, if you've really seen a lot of difference with that, or if you've even tried different approaches, Adam. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you asked me about that. When when I had read Eric's recovery diet, uh, you know, it looked like another spin on reverse dieting initially, but it seemed more aggressive. So, um, you know, with me and you know, not working with very many of Eric's previous clients, uh, I wasn't sure if that was just the methodology he always used. And now that I know it more, there's a variance of things that he uses. But uh, he really coined that recovery diet for, you know, like you said, just getting up there right away, almost opposite of what we do, um, except it's still responsible to some degree. Um, I'm much like you. I like to do it slowly, but there's that psychological component where I have clients where I do think I push a recovery diet more if I feel like they're struggling or binging at the end of prep. Because if I go here, I think they can stick to that easier than if we just incrementally go up. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, recovery dieting is really good for that um, person who does have a tough psychological component to this. Yeah, and there may, and I'm sure if Eric were here to discuss it, you know, he would he would lace it with all of the nuances that that he would. He's a very thoughtful guy. Um, so it's not like here's the plan and every client does it this way. It really depends on where people are, as you mentioned. And um, I, I will say that for somebody who does have, who just kind of needs that initial bump, you know, it can be not, not a binge, but, but a much, much fuller meal. Like let's go, I'm not going to give you exact macronutrient profile ranges to hit at this, you know, free meal after the show, just go do this, you know, be responsible, but fill up, have a good night. And then the next day, let's do this. And so, you know, some of that can at least start the ball rolling. What I want to talk about in the next episode, we'll save this for episode five, are some of the physical changes that lead into the offseason, because this is a bridge to the offseason. 
But as we kind of wrap up this one, talking about methodology and controversy, is there anybody that disagrees? Are, are there people that say, oh, that's stupid. You should just, you know, gain 50 pounds or 40 pounds because R, that gives you more muscle and all that. I mean, is, is that even a thing out there now? I think that there's so much of that in the um, some of the biggest bodybuilders we see. There's that chase to gain the size, but I don't know if they necessarily believe it. I think that there's a lot of hype and they want other people to see it and almost do the same thing. Um, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors on Instagram. And I think that, you know, even though someone says they're doing something doesn't necessarily mean that they are. People lie about their weight and, uh, you know, just guys, especially, I think, do. So it's uh, wow. funny to see. I'm glad I asked. You made me think of something I had totally just dismissed. And that is that there is that culture that everybody, it's a badge of honor to eat more. And so people are chasing macros and, and coaches will brag, look at my client, she's eating 400 grams of carbs. And, and so again, like that can really be oddly in there's just controversy right now in the government talking about the role of, of social media on, on kids and body image. And it's like, well, yeah, what a, what a really bizarre thing to brag about. I had a client, her, um, she came to me post North Americans and her coach posted her macros, uh, on his page about her peak week. They weren't even close to the peak week that she got. <laughs> well, like you said, smoke and mirrors, but, uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up, guys. Episode five next time, we're going to talk about how this truly does become a bridge to a successful offseason, which then becomes a successful next pre-contest phase. So we'll see you next time in Contest Prep University.